0: The first iteration of, of what we have today, it, it took about six months. A lot of coffee and a lot of long hours. And I used some source code that I had found on GitHub. And then I designed my own to integrate all of them and get them to play nice between them. Once I had that, it was a, something that was you know very basic, no UI. It was input here, output there and see what happens turned out surprisingly well for the pretty crappy quality of the 3D printer. My name is Bruno Lemuro, and I am the founder and CEO of Armor Bionics.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Park, and today how Bruno DeMuro created an online platform to print highly accurate 3D models of MRI scans. All this and more on Code Story. Bruno DeMuro is first and foremost a father of two children. He says this is the single most awesome thing, and yet at the same time, the most challenging thing. He has a background in industrial engineering and design, but considers himself a generalist and a relentless problem solver, which he admits can be hard on his wife. He loves all things tech, hardware, software, you name it. But beyond tech, he loves working on and restoring classic cars and European cars, along with surfing on a longboard. Earlier in Bruno's life, his mother had to undergo surgery to have a brain tumor removed. Though the surgery went well, in order to remove a tumor the size of a penny, the doctor had to make an opening the size of a grapefruit. When Bruno asked why, the doctor said that it was the only way they could be sure that the tumor would be accessible. Bruno found this answer to be unacceptable. This is the creation story of Armor Bionics.
0: What we do at Armour is we take 2D, CT, and MRI scan data, so the images as they come from the CT scanner and the MRI sc- uh, scanner, and we transform those 2D images into 3D patient-specific 3D moles that exactly replicate the patient's anatomy. So this way, you know, doctors, instead of using those, you know, black and white or gray and gray scale images, 2D images, to try to understand what's going on inside the patient's body, we give them full color uh, 3D models that exactly replicate what's going on inside the patient's body. So that is everything that, 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 that we do. We work with surgeons trying to, to, to help them to better understand what, what, what happens when you're you know, planning for a surgery and you wanna see what, what, what is that, you know. for example, if you're working with a, a patient that has a tumor, you want to see how that tumor interacts with all the surrounding uh, structures or, or organs. You can do that using a our, 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 our 3D model instead of using those those images. So you have something that is an asset that's you know more um, the word is is uh, more intuitive to use and that allows you to to have a you know a clearer picture of, of how everything is set up before going into the OR. It all started because of a problem with my mom, so it was something that, that me and my family went through. You know, my mom, as, as, as many women out there, was diagnosed, diagnosed with, with breast cancer. And given that diagnosis, I mean, it was the best case scenario that what one could cope for. So it was this very tiny tumor that was self-contained with clear margins. So the doctors went ahead and removed that tumor, and on her five-year checkup, that's when you're going to go and, and the doctor's going to say, hey, you cleared the disease, you're officially cured. In the last checkup, they found this tiny tumor in her meninges, and the meninges are the, the, the tissue that covers the brain. So the tumor was the size of a penny, pretty much close to the temporal lobe. And in order to remove that tiny tumor, the doctors opened a hole in her skull the size of a grapefruit. So, after the surgery, I went to the doctor and I said, hey, uh, why did the opening have to be that big? I mean, the surgery went perfectly. Uh, that is something that I have to, to always clarify because sometimes I forget and, and my mom always says, you have you have killed me so many times when you're telling the story because I forget to mention that she did she's doing great and, and, and the surgery went right. But... The surgeon after the surgery told me is because that's the only way that we are certain that when we remove that bone flap or that you know that tiny cover of, or, or that that big cover in this case uh, to extract the tumor that the tumor is going to be laying below it. So, you know, given that my my formation was in, in industrial engineering, industrial design, I pretty much had a clear understanding of how the CE scanner works and MRI scanner works. So that answer to me was completely unacceptable. I mean, there, there had to be a way for a doctor before surgery to pinpoint the exact location in space of where that tumor lies, so that when he went into the surgery, he, he could just go in exactly to that region instead of you know doing this whole exploratory surgery. So that was pretty much what kicked off everything. I mean, I started going on this deep dive rabbit hole into how 2D imaging scanning works in the medical field, how they are processed, what you get from them, and starting to explore if there are any tools out there that could give you this, you know, the idea of taking this 2D image slices, because that's what the CT scanner and MRI scanner does. They pretty much slice you and you see the different slices of of your body and try to get those slicers back, back together and reconstruct the patient's anatomy, or in this case, my mom's anatomy. So at that point, I started, you know, experimenting with, you know, open source, uh, some some open source software that I had found that, that it wasn't like really put together and actually functional, or and some some scripts that I would find in, you know lying somewhere around in, in GitHub, you know, writing my own and, and try, you know, this mix and match, uh, try try to puzzle something that would actually get it to do what I wanted to. That it was to get those two d images into 3D. And after pretty much six months of, of uh, a lot of coffee and very, very long hours, um, I had something that did exactly that.
1: Well, let's dive into the MVP. So tell me about that first product you built and how long it took you to build, what sort of tools you used to bring it to life and, and things like that.
0: The uh, first iteration of, of of what we have today, uh, it took about six months of of, as I told you, a lot of coffee and a lot of long hours, and it was composed of, of a bunch of different. Um, I used some source code that I had found on GitHub, some open sources that uh, some some code that was open sourced from another different kind of tools that were for other kind of applications, and then I designed my own to integrate all of them and get them to play nice between them. And once I had that, it was a, something that was, you know, very basic, no UI. It was very, you know, input here, output there, and see what happens. And just, you know, you pretty much once you press go, you 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 hope that everything goes up according to plan. And for the 3D printing, I mean, we're talking as this took place like it's been, yeah, close to 11 years ago. So. For 3D printing, we were using this this a friend of mine had had somehow sourced um a schematic for this you know very brute pretty crappy 3D printer that you could you know do it yourself and, and assemble it. So we used that to do the first print, which turned out surprisingly well for the the, the pretty crappy quality of the 3D printer. And that was pretty much it. We had this, you know, very basic code and this very, very, very basic 3D printer to do the first tests.
1: It's interesting. I think that's a perfect segue into my next question. So, you know, with the the crappy 3D printer and the, you know, kind of rough start there, you, you obviously had to make some decisions and trade-offs in that MVP about, you know, what you were going to choose when, you know, what sort of features you were going to start with, or even like, you know, technical debt you're going to accept. So tell me about some of those decisions you had to make and how you coped with them.
0: At the beginning, was, you know, just trying to get something out of it. So anything that it would output and see if it was barely acceptable, that was something that, that in, at first was like, okay, this once you know you have proof of concept, you can, you can go ahead and then start tweaking and, and, and perfecting it. So at the beginning was just getting a, res- a result. After we, uh, I, I achieved that, the next step was, okay, how, how good can this get using this pretty crappy infrastructure? So, how can I get the most out of this setup? So, be it the code, be it the the 3D printer. Let's start working on that to to perfect it and, and get you know the absolute best that we can get from this. And that's when it, it became evident that that the main uh, like our guiding star during this whole process, and I, I believe that to this date is what defines our company is that. The end result, the quality had to be prime. I mean, everything has to be the best quality. We want to be the best out there doing what we do. So, once I started with that set- setup, I mean, it just all started evolving from that. So, you know, from trying to get a result as, as, as fast as possible to then trying to refine it and iterate it and, and try to get the best model or the best 3D printed model possible given that, that that those constraints it was something that you know every iteration you start you know doing those trade-offs so you start trading off the rendering time for uh, the quality of the end digital mall and then you start working with okay so I'm going to do the 3D printing if we downsize the layer height we have very better resu- you know 3D printing resolution we can do that, but then the 3-print instead of, you know, taking, like it did in those days, 24 hours, is gonna take out, you know, 48 hours. So, you know, we start, you know, surrendering time in exchange to, for better quality was something that was very common back then. Uh, the reality is that today with, you know, the, with the upgrade in processing power, the overall, you know, improvement of, of pretty much every single piece of hardware and software that we're using is that it's, it's kind of become uh, something that is, that is superfluous right now. I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter. What we know is that it, it pretty much in in those in those times, uh, the 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 guidelines that we follow to this day were drawn up, and I I think that that is something that's pretty cool to to have you know endured all this time.
1: So then you've got you know, your MVP, you progress, or you've you got your MVP, you've got it working. How did you take Armored Bionics and progress the product from there? How did you mature it? And what I'm interested in is how you built your roadmap and how you decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to address or to build.
0: That is something that, is, that's, that was very hard to do. And it wasn't an easy, <laughs> easy uh, one, two step process. What happened was that once we had the MEP working, the the biggest thing and I think that is critical to all startups is I started, you know, interacting and, and, and really trying to understand the process from the medical side. So. I would get together with the surgeons, and they would go over, you know, each step of the of the how the patient would go into to the hospital, you know, and how the the process of the whole surgical planning would have, would unfold, to then how the surgery would unfold, to then how the sur- the the patient would evolve inside the hospital. So, trying to get a clear understanding of the ecosystem that, that I was trying to enter. So, um, at that point, I mean, uh, I started working together with with uh, uh Pablo my co-founder that he he's mainly uh focused on the commercial side so when we started working on, on design of the product uh at that point what happened was that okay we have this working we know how it works but how do we integrate this into the healthcare system in a way that actually works given that the healthcare system has you know all this Regulations and processes and, and things that you have to deal with in order to operate inside that. So, trying to get the information firsthand from the end customer—that would be, you know, the surgeon or the patient—was critical to us. And setting the roadmap was okay. So we have the product, and uh, we know that we can get something that is of good quality and in the right amount of time. You know, we can. You know, we have covered all the technical side. But we have to see how we integrate that to a system, to something that has already been set up. And, you know, as one of the doctors said, he told us, uh, I've been operating this way for the past 20 years. Why are you trying to change it? And I, was, I was trying to tell him, hey, if you do this, you're going to have all this, you know, improvements in all, pretty much every single marker that you, you can imagine during the surgery. So why not try it? But, but we had to find a way that was, you know, that, that made this easy to use for them. And it would not take any time from their, you know, day-to-day uh, uh, workings and would not take time. And this was something that was critical to us, that it would not take time from the doctor, from the patient. So this means that every, every interaction that we would have with the doctor would be the minimum as necessary. So we didn't want to take that take time from them so that's when we started designing our platform so what our platform does is it pretty much acts as the uh connector or 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 the or the the gateway from which the 2d images from the cd scanner are converted into the 3d model and then can be directly 3d printing 3d printed from the platform so this way what happens is the doctor would, or the doctor or the or the imaging specialist would upload the images to our our platform, and then the doctor would requ- would request straight up there what it is that he needs to be converted to 3D. Like for example, you know the images go in, they upload it, it's just drag and do- drop, and then he will tell us, hey, I want all the bones of the left hand to be converted to 3D. So we then would get that work order, you know the images and the and the you know, the, the the description of what was needed, we would process all the images and output the 3D model. Once the, the 3D model is approved by the doctor, it would then, you know, it could be 3D printed or just, you know, the, the digital 3D model would do. So having that process set up in a way that it's like literally pre-clicks for, from the doctor's side. So from the doctor's side, he would upload the images, tell us what he needed and click next. And that's it. The order would come in and we would take care of the rest. So that was something that was... At the beginning, really not. Uh, it was not obvious. So when we first started, we you know we, we would try and, you know, have long conversations with the doctor to understand what it was that it, that he needed. And then we started seeing that no, that's not the way to go because the doctor has to be you know attending to patients and he shouldn't be wasting time with us. We should just be another tool in his toolbox that he can you know take out when he needs us, and 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 not be there bothering them when. When he he doesn't. So so yeah, th- that is something that you know, having all this this set up in a way that we always wanted to make this as a, as a service. We we weren't we have never been comfortable with the idea of a hospital owning three D printings three printers and you know owning specialized hardware and, and specialized software to do all this this processing because. The way we see it is it it, it shouldn't be done by the hospital. It should be done by someone that that doesn't have to be uh, that won't take time from them or resources so that they, they can actually, you know, contract us as a service. And then they use us when they need us. And if they don't need us, we are there for when they do.
1: Let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you?
0: Here in Uruguay, we have very good schools. So that is something that is is a great advantage. So we have great... uh, everything relating to software, we have great programmers, software engineers, we have everything you you, you may need from from that point. And we also have great designers and great uh, industrial engineers and great industrial designers. And one of the things that we found pretty much at the beginning is that it's way easier to teach an industrial designer anatomy than it is a doctor to teach him to do all the you know segmentation or, or you know processing of the images. So yeah, we started training um, you know people from that from the, from that area or, or that vertical, and that ended up becoming its very own uh, other. Uh, uh, career where you can now be a bioengineer here in Uruguay that is something that when we started wasn't available so we now have bioengineers and when we started you know we have a flexible team so what happens is that you know when COVID hit uh, one of the the unexpected results from that was that uh, surgeries halted in pretty much everywhere so in Latin America uh given that the focus was on you know, treating the COVID patients, hospitals would just stop performing surgeries. So planned surgeries would, were just stopped everywhere. So what happened was that from our side, having the flexible team was something that was crucial to surviving the pandemic. So, so this means that on high demand, you know, when, when we are you know, under stress, we get you know, requests from all, all over the world. Our team can grow elastically to accommodate to that to that uh, that demand, and when things like the pandemic happens, is we can you know shorten and, and and go into into survival mode, as you would say. But you know when choosing those people, we always try to find people that would. Well, first of all, you have to be very very flexible on 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 what you're interested in, in because you're going to see cases that have nothing to do one to the to the other. And you're gonna have to learn as you go. I mean, it's something that is very complex. And when when working well with the rest of the company, I mean, you got you know the legal department, you know the, the accounting, and you know all the, as I say, the boring structure because every company has to have that. We always try to you know uh, get the best people available for the for the position. So so yeah, but but I would say the design team is is our most valuable asset, and and you know getting to, to have the liberty to see all these different cases, you know, and, uh, we work on it's something that is something that's it's very, very interesting. There, there's there's not, never a boring day. So one day you're, you're working on a, uh, on a case of a, you know, a six-month-old baby boy with a, this huge tumor in his abdomen. The other one you're working with a cardio patient and then you have a neurological one. So it's very interesting.
1: This will be an interesting topic given you kind of the area of the problems you're solving, but I'm going to ask it as generally as possible and, and, and get your response. So th- did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? or Are you fighting this as you grow?
0: That is something that when we first started was our main concern. And we tried to make everything, uh, we tried to design everything so that it would scale up as we go, because as I said, the the, the thing of of being in Uruguay gives us great advantages and what happens, you know, everything relating to, you know, we have great infrastructure here, great internet connectivity, so this means that we can have our team working remotely on this, on, on, you know, on on our day-to-day basis and we can expand it on demand pretty much instantly. So we have a, a set of, 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 of designers on call that should, should you know, the demand be there. You can call up and say, hey, come on up. We, we have we have work to do. So, yeah, that is something that, that from the start we designed it. We designed everything to go into that uh, direction. Now, one important thing to say is that In the end, we're always looking for automation. So we have been working from day one in automating every single thing that we can in order to eventually have, you know, AI segmentation, you know, stop depending on that flexible workforce to have it all streamlined and as quick as possible.
1: As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: the relationship with the patients and the patient's family. So, something that that, that we almost never talk about is that uh, what happens when you're working with surgeons is that although they are our point of contact, and it it happens a lot that a patient would come up to us and and tell us, hey, my daughter is going in for surgery, can you be of assistance to, 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 to my surgeon? So it's the patients that come and reach out to us so that we can work with their surgeons in that, in that surgery. And of course, you know, me having a family and you have little kids, you know, it's impossible not to empathize with, with, with those parents. And you end up having this this awesome, awesome network of, of families that, you, you know, you've worked on cases. I mean, uh, this, this year alone, we have worked on, it's been one, two, three, four, Almost, yeah, five, five surgeries of uh, babies with congenital heart disease. So these are congenital mal- malformations on their hearts, and they were operated in Argentina. So if, if we can extrapolate that for a second, so these are 3D models that were created in Uruguay, 3D printed in New York, and operated on Argentina in, Ar- in Argentina, and. We've had a 100% success rate, so they are all doing great, you know, luckily, and we have, you know, this direct relationship with, with, the, with the patient, with, with the baby's families. So they would, you know, update us when, you know, hey, uh, it's her first year birthday. So thank you for everything that you have done. That is what, at the end of the day, you know, is, is a single reason I, I, I will get up every single day and do this forever, if I could. because do this 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 tiny contribution to this to this result is something that it's
1: really fulfilling well let's flip the script a little bit tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it
0: for a moment there we were so caught up you know in in the designing of the product that we made the most talked about Big no-no. You can that is focus on on the product and take your eye off of of the of the client or or, the, or your customer. And you know when you start focusing on the product and you don't see where the your customer is going, what it's going to happen is that when that product that product ends up uh, being released, you're going to be way off target. So luckily we cut it in time, but. But yeah, there were a couple of months there that, that <laughs> when when the moment came it was why were we doing this? You know? And that is something that you don't want to see happen in any in, in any process. But yeah, luckily we, we were we were we caught it in time to correct the you know course correct and, and had it done. But but yeah, that is something that can happen. When you start, you know, falling in love with your product and you're you're falling in love with what you're doing and and you see, you know, everything looks great from your side. And when you're, you're going to work on deploying, you see, hey, this makes zero sense. Well, that is a big problem that you have to avoid.
1: Well, what does the future look like for your product and for your team?
0: This year alone, we have had some pretty significant uh, uh, milestones. So back in May, we signed a partnership with the company Shapeways. So Shapeways is the, the the biggest 3D printing uh, service provider in the world, which pretty much allows us to have our 3D models delivered anywhere in the world with the best possible quality available and in pretty much any technology. So we have no restrictions in materials, colors, uh, you name it, we can print it. and. From that point of view, that means that, you know, going really global and you know, specializing in what it is that we are good at. So that, that would be the designing and the um, 3D modeling of, of the anatomy, means that we can, you know, go ahead and hand off all the production side. That it was something that in the beginning we did ourselves to a company like Shapeways that are specialized in that. So m- moving forward, what we're what we're looking for is, you know growing our business globally you know getting helping in more surgeries everywhere around the world to to this day i mean we have processed i think it was something like three million images and and assisted in over 250 surgeries now the cool thing is that those 250 surgeries took place in more than 25 countries around the world so so that's something that that being from uruguay is is, is pretty mind-boggling when you when you think of this tiny country in south america But we have seen, you know, pretty awesome things like, you know, helping surgeons in Peru to separate a set of gun joint twins that, you know, that's with everything that, 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 that entails to, you know, as I told you, you know, working day to day cases with with babies and, and complex surgeries. So, yeah, moving forward, I think the, the, the objective is to, you know, expand.
1: Let's switch to you, Bruno. Who influences the way that you work? I'm a CEO, CTO, architect, really any person that you look up to and why.
0: I get my work ethic from uh, prim- primarily from my dad. So uh, I grew up in a home where my dad would, you know, come up, work, up, work long hours, you know, just do anything that was needed in order to, to take care of, of the family. So that is the 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 main like driver, but if you say okay, if you want to talk famous people or or people around there, I find it very hard not to. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but but Elon Musk, with 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 all the good things and bad things that he has, I mean, I, I really some. You can't go ahead and build what he's built if you don't have, you know, this idealist mindset. So, so I I, I see some things there, I mean, especially when you're working with patients and you can see the direct result that that your technology has had in their in their lives. I mean, that's something that, that that I try to my best to to try and and and, and I cherish and, and try to you know, grow it and, and 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 maximize it. So. In the end, all, all I want to do is is make sa- surgeries safer for everyone, everywhere. And you know, I think that what Musk is doing with with airspace and, and doing with you know Tesla, I've, I've I've taken a couple of plates of place from his book
1: here. Well, you know, we talked about a mistake, but it's a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: Funding. So for a very long time, we pretty much bootstrapped our way into the industry. So we did everything that we could with this minimum, you know, uh, effort being monetary or, or, or whatever. We became very expert and uh, experienced, and very good at you know taking three bucks and you know making them go a very long way. And although that is something that, that it's good at the beginning when you're working with healthcare, uh, it's not the best way to to go along and, and doing that because you're gonna need you know eventually funding for. Regulations to to get certifications to start. You know, even even in, in commercial. You know, you're gonna need marketing. You're gonna need all those things that at the beginning are not you know are are, are, are not uh, clear or not you know obvious. So yeah, that is something that, that and I've also seen it happen to other startups in in you know here. That they start up you know strong and they start working there and they don't. Uh, gather up funding fast enough to try to 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 grow that 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 business in, in the way that's optimum. And at the beginning, we did it. We did exactly that. So so yeah. Uh, gladly we then started working with the government here, which gave us a, a couple. They give us a, a grant so that we could you know start you know growing our company. But at the beginning, it was something that. that it's not obvious and you, you, you think, hey, I can do with this and I can manage and we'll, we'll, we'll fix it when we get to that point. But sometimes it's, it's better to just have the funding when you start and, and do it right from the start. Because then you're going to have all these you know, uh, vices and things that you had to do in order to, to, to try and, and get things to work. That when you start you know, scaling up and becoming a real company, they, they just don't fly
1: right that's a hard balance to strike right of having enough resources to do the things that you want to do but also you know scaling back the the resources to be able to be scrappy enough and keep enough of your ownership throughout it that's that's a tough balance to strike for sure well last question bruno so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: The advice I would give them is, first of all, is be very, very careful who you choose to work with and who you partner up with in order to to. To try and and achieve your your goals or your purpose Uh, especially i mean when you're working with with if you're starting up small and you're trying to find you know potential uh, partnerships with other companies the the problem with starting up small and you trying to find a partnership with somebody that's that's this you know multinational company or something somebody that's big is that you, you will understate the amount of work it will it will take you to just keep up with everything relating to that partnership. So be very careful of who you partner up with, who you start working with. And also keep your your, your ears open because there's a lot of people out there that know a lot and they will try and and, and 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 help you with your with your product solution or whatever, but it will sometimes happen that that person that's talking to you has some like it happened to us won't have experience of your exact same field or in your field. And one of the things that was very frustrating to us is that you know working in healthcare. Things move v- way differently than in you know the tech world. So where tech companies would it, would you know start managing their KPIs and doing all these campaigns and working that way. I mean we went through uh, two 500 startups pro- programs, and one of the takeaways that we had was pretty much 98% of everything that was uh, taught there had no application whatsoever to our industry. So that's the other like good thing that, that you have to take into account is that be very selective of your time because the time that you're going to dedicate in those kind of programs, if you see that they are not addressing your company straight away, it will probably end up uh, stealing all this time from you and when you're beginning a company or starting up a company, one of the biggest assets that you have, since you don't have a lot of capital to start with, is time. So that is the most valuable asset when you're first starting up. So be very weary of, of how you uh, allocate that time. And the last one, I think, is, is try things, try things. There, there are sometimes that, that you, you try things and things happen where you didn't expect that result and in the end it can be one of the differentiating pillars that that make your product unique. So so yeah. That I think that those are some good advices from from personal experience.
1: Absolutely. Well Bruno, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Armor Bionic.
0: Oh, thank you, Noah, and for the invite.